Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Podcast. We hope that today's message will inspire you to grow in your journey of faith. We believe that hope is for everyone. So, no matter where you find yourself on your journey of faith, we believe Jesus is willing to meet you right where you're at. So again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome to Legacy Church. If you're visiting us today, my name is Tony. Uh, My wife and I are the lead pastors here. And we're so grateful that you're here with us this morning. If you're family, well, you know that I've been gone for a couple weeks from preaching. And so you know that that probably means one of two things or both of the next two things. That we're likely going to go long and that I've got some things to say to you this morning. So um, if it goes like first service went, then it'll probably go long. Just fair warning. Uh, but anyway, we uh, want to just, I want to really quickly before we jump into the message today, uh, just to give a huge shout out to, how many of you guys were here last week and you got to hear Lane McDonald preach the word of God? I'll tell you what, man, Lane was like, I'm driving back. We were driving back from Arizona on Sunday, and I'm listening. And I mean, if you know me, you know it doesn't take very much for me to cry. But I mean, I'm bawling my eyes out because he's straight up preaching to me. And I'm like, holy smokes, our church is in good hands. And I mean, he enjoyed uh, Paula a couple weeks ago as well. So just want to want to thank you guys for giving us the time and the space. But we're back, and there's nothing better than being home when you actually enjoy home and you love your family. Am I right? So and that and that's us. And so. As Lane said earlier, we've got a lot of things going on here this next weekend, so I want to remind you of the fact that we've got our Good Friday service on Friday. I know that for some of you, Good Friday's probably a new thing. Maybe you've never been to a Good Friday service. We're going to be sending out some information on that this week, but just want to let you know that it's, it's going to be a time of reflection. In fact, we've been very intentional even with our worship list that night. We're not going to be mentioning anything about the resurrection or victory. We're really going to be sitting in what it was like to mourn the death and sit in darkness and what that looks like, the heaviness of that. Why? Because it's just a setup for Sunday, right? That's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And so that's why you've got some invitation cards. But And in between that, on Saturday, we're going to just love on our community. We've got a DJ. We've got uh, 12,000 eggs that you guys helped fill up on Wednesday. Thank you for that. We've got some uh, food trucks. I mean, that's the most important part is, like, when I heard there was a possibility of no food trucks, I made it happen. Well, I didn't make it happen. Someone made it happen. And I'm like, food trucks got to be there because food's got to be there. So we got food. We got music. We've got a ton of you have already signed up to volunteer for that. So thank you. I'm excited. You're excited. But I do want to say one thing. If you're a legacy uh, member and you usually come, I'm talking to second service, so you usually might come to second service. This is what I want to ask of you for Easter Sunday. Usually, our second service is our most full Sunday, especially in kids' church. So here's what I want to ask of you is, would you consider serving second Sunday and uh, second service and attending the first service so that we can have plenty of room for all of the new visitors and people. Easter is one of our biggest Sundays of the year. So if you usually like second service, I get that. Would you come and bring that energy to first service? Help us make some room in kids church and in the seats here as well, if that's possible. The other thing I want to ask of you is to do a couple things. If, again, I'm talking to legacy family people. Uh, three easy things that I like to say is come early, sit close, and park far if you're, uh, if you're able to, okay? So um, come early, get your seat up front. Most new people don't like to sit up front, so leave them that space so they can feel comfortable in the back. Uh, you know, if you are able to park farther away, our parking lot, the, this is one of those Sundays where we kind of struggle with that, but it's good problems to have, y'all, like, as opposed to, like, please come on Easter, right? Like, uh, so we're just preparing, making room for more people. It's going to be a beautiful celebration. And now I understand uh, if that's not possible, then that's totally fine. We, you're going to be loved anyway. So today I'm going to do something a little different. And that is this. I, I'm going to give you uh, four different perspectives of the exact same scripture. And so if you open up your Bibles to the New Testament, it begins with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are known as the four Gospels. It's essentially four different perspectives of Jesus's life, written, of course, inspired by the Spirit of God and penned and scribed by three different men whose name is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And on this Palm Sunday, I want to give you the same story 
from four different perspectives. So you're ready for a lot of reading. We're going to start in Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Please hang in there. Track with me. We're going we're gonna to get through these scriptures together. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on their, and put on, put on them their cloaks, excuse me, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread them, spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now Mark's perspective, Mark chapter 11, verse 1 through 10. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, to at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied to a door outside of the street and they untied it. Some of them standing were there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them that what Jesus had said and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the, com is the coming of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Now Luke's perspective, Luke 19, 28 through 40. Luke's a little more detailed. He's kind of more my style. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is now called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks of you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and so, so those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them, Verse 33, and as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? Can you imagine somebody just taking your donkey, right? Like, what you doing, bro? And they said, the Lord has need of it. Can you imagine that's the response? Don't worry, God needs this, right? <laughs> and they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near already on the way down to Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, check this out, in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out talk about that in a second. John chapter 12, we're almost there, okay? We're almost there. 12, 12, 19. The next day, the next day. Say with me, the next day. I just want to make sure you're still awake. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took the branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. 
The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb. By the way, the raising of Lazarus had taken place just verses prior to this. From the dead and continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, because your word is the one that lights our path. It's what gives us not just wisdom and knowledge and understanding, but it also empowers us, God, to live a different way. I pray today that your son Jesus would be revealed to every man, woman, child, young and old and in between in this room and online right now, God, no matter where they're at or where we're at on our journey of faith, that your son Jesus would be revealed to us. We understand, God, that when we see Jesus, our lives are never the same. We become like him, God. And so I pray my prayer today is that you would mold us into his liking and into his character Reveal your son, Jesus, to us and reveal the things that you have for us today individually and corporately as a family. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, it never ceases to amaze me just how the, the, the same people or, or two different people uh, born into the same family, raised by the same parents, growing up in the same house can turn out vastly different. Can, can, like, is, that, is that true for you? Like, it never ceases to amaze me how, how kids that maybe grew up under the same exact roof with the same exact parents under the same exact era can grow up to not just be vastly different, but have completely different perspectives on life, right? Uh, my wife and I have four kids, and I'm finding that out, right? Like, I'm finding out that even if we, under the exact same roof, raise them all, even if the exact same way, they all have different perspectives. My wife is one of four children. I am one of two. And in my own life, uh, this is vastly true. I mean, if, if you ask my sister, um, well, no, no, ask, actually, if you ask me, because I'm the right person to ask. Um, if you ask me, my whole childhood, I had to work for everything that I got. Any, anybody else raised out there? This, you want to learn how to play guitar? You go out and get yourself your own guitar, right? Like, Right? Anybody raised that way? I remember I wanted to, to, to have my first car, right? And I'm like, I'm like 12 years old, and I knew that it wasn't going to just be given to me. And so my parents tell me, well, when you turn 16, if you want your own car, you better start working now and save your money now because we're not going to just give you a car. Well, Princess Paula comes along. I'm the guy with the mic this week. And... If you don't know, Paula's my sister. Uh, and, and she turned 16, and lo and behold, what's her 16th birthday present given by my parents to her? A car. You know, if you ask her, she had to work for that car. When I did. When I went to, when she went to college, I was told... Tony, when your sister's studying in the bedroom, the house needs to be quiet, right? She needs to focus. And so I had to walk around on eggshells when Princess Paula was studying. But when I was in college, if I dared and asked for silence, I would be told, you need to learn how to thrive under, under any circumstance. Whether it's noisy or not, you're going to study, right? You know, we... We were, I would say we were privileged to have traveled the world when we were young. I was, happened to be born in Brazil. My parents were missionaries there. They're Guatemalan, so then we traveled all around Central and South America. For me, I love that because it, it gave me like a vast understanding of cultures. I can kind of relate to different people. It made me moldable. It made me flexible. Some people call me a chameleon. That's an insult, but I don't, I'll take it, right? Like, I, can, I become all things to all men that I might win some kind of a thing, right? So, like, I'm, like, I I think it's a great thing. You ask my sister, I was ripped from my friends and my culture, you know? By the way, I have permission to share all of this. But isn't it true that we can all experience, hear me, the same thing and yet have different perspectives of it? 
So t- today, we, we see this story, what's known in the traditional church calendar as Palm Sunday, also known as the triumphant entry of Jesus into the town in which he knows he's going to be crucified a week later. And we see four different perspectives of the story. And not only that, but we see multiple characters in that story. My question to you today is, where do you find yourself in this story? What perspective would you have? Are you the disciples that immediately obeyed? Or do we want to shy away from the fact that we read about the Pharisees and we act like we're not Pharisaical at times? And go, Jesus, tell them to shut up. What are they doing? And Jesus basically tells them, hey, if they don't do it, like, rocks will be wiser than you guys are. <laughs> and, like, totally, like, you know. Or, or, or maybe, may, maybe you're the person that was willing to strip themselves of their clothing and make way for him. I don't know where you find yourself in this story or what perspective, but as we enter what's traditionally known as Holy Week, the the week that leads up to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our King Jesus, I want all of us to unite under one perspective, and that is this, that Jesus has proclaimed that he is King of all kings. Jesus, if you know, leading up to this moment, even after every miracle, after every moment of ministry, he's telling people, don't go tell anyone about this because my time hasn't come yet or I've not been glorified yet. And so he's telling them to keep it hush, hush, keep it, keep it on the DL. And, And if you get anything out of this story today, it's that this is the moment where Jesus goes, this is me. I'm the king of kings and I am the Lord of lords. Let it be known, he says, and really by his actions. And of course, there's a ton that we need to unpack here today. And my intent is to not be exhausting, but to hopefully be a little exhaustive in our theology this morning. And so as we look at this monumental moment in scripture and in history of the church, I've got three questions that I want to ask you today. The first question is this, will we recognize who is right in front of us? Matthew 21, 5, which is also, by the way, making reference to the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, when it says this, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Check this out. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt. Let me just frame this in for you. Kings back then didn't ride donkeys. And they didn't just not ride donkeys. They certainly didn't ride the baby of a donkey. Uh, Back then, royalty was measured by the appearance of the king. Royalty was measured by how this king would make an entrance into a city. Those that were great warriors would ride in on what we now know as a high horse. You know where that saying comes from, get off your high horse. Uh, Everything is biblical, just like everything originated in the Greek, if you ask a Greek person. Uh, And uh, that's just a, a, a big fat Greek wedding joke that some of you didn't get. But, 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 but. I don't know if you know this, and if you're not from Idaho, let me help you assimilate to Idaho a little bit, make you sound like, you know, a good Idaho boy or girl who knows their farming language, okay? Horses are measured by hands, okay? Uh, And if you're really from Idaho, it's measured by hands, okay? And you don't have a roof, I mean roof, you have a roof, okay? Um, But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I didn't mean to offend some of you Idahoans, but... So, so they would measure from, from the ground up, up to their shoulders, the amount of hands, right? And if you were a great warrior, the more hands your horse had, the more majestic you were, more triumphant you were. And kings needed to now exceed the number of hands even than warriors did. These people were expecting a king. And King Jesus not only shows up on a donkey, but on the baby of a donkey. He comes gentle and lowly, and you know what happened? Some of them missed it. 
They missed it. They missed who was right in front of them. They missed the fact that this king that came to rescue humanity because of his appearance, because of the fact that he did not come in riding on his high horse, they missed who he was. And some miss it even today. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because they want to control the means by which they're saved. We miss who is right in front of us many times because we want to control the means by which we are saved. The people in the story, the Pharisees, are, are missing who's right in front of them because it's not this majestic king, it's this gentle and lowly person. And you know what I've come to find out is that Many of us expect Jesus to rescue us and save us in a specific way. Maybe you're here today on Palm Sunday and you're going, my problem isn't that I don't recognize that I need a savior. It's that, it's that I want him to save me in the way that I want him to save me. And maybe you, like the Pharisees at times, if you're honest with yourself, you have no problem when you cry out for salvation as long as he shows up the way you expect him to. And as long as he shows up the way we expect him to, we're happy. And you know what's interesting to me is even the people that lay down their cloaks, that lay down palm branches, from one week to the next, they went from laying down palms to then putting a crown of thorns on him. But what we've got to realize is that Jesus rescues and oftentimes works in ways that we often don't understand. Yes. Don't miss it. Turn to your neighbor, say, don't miss it. Turn to your other neighbor, say, don't miss it. Now point to yourself and go, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Come on, come on, don't miss it. You know what happens a lot of times, even just from a practical standpoint, when we, when we talk about this idea of will we recognize what's right in front of us, is oftentimes in culture, and we hear this saying, but I believe it's just as biblical as it is a saying in culture, where, where we hear about not judging a book by its cover. But how many of us live our lives that way, where we miss even the people that are right in front of us? We miss the stages of life that we're living in right now because we're wishing it away or we're hoping to be somewhere else. Maybe are you like me where you have a tough time staying present in the moment because you're really depressed about your past and then really anxious about your future? Am I the only one that struggles with that? But in order for us to not miss what's right in front of us, to recognize who is in front of us, church, I'm calling us to be present to the now. Jesus goes, teach, his disciples say, teach us to pray. He goes, you got to pray for your daily bread, not tomorrow's bread, not the bread you didn't like yesterday. He's talking about the today bread. And some of us struggle all through life in being present because we're anxious about the future and we're depressed about the past. And God is going, I got both, give them both to me and I've got you right here. So I'm challenging you today. Of course I'm here to challenge you. I haven't been here in two weeks. I gotta challenge you. Something must happen in us. And let me just get vulnerable here for a second. Even those of you kind of like me that maybe you do struggle with mind games or things that happen even in your past. Being able to, to fight not just the depression or anxiety or our past, but, but, but welcome Jesus into that process of God, I need you here in the now. And this is way more practical. What I'm talking about is way more practical than we make it. You know, we, 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 we oftentimes miss who's right in front of us or what's right in front of us because we don't realize who gifted us the thing that we're even living in today. Can I just talk to some young parents for a second? This may be a weird Palm Sunday sermon, but let me just talk to some young parents in this room. Do not wish away that crying baby season. 
You know, can I tell you, there's plenty of gray hairs in this room, and this is why we're an intergenerational church. There's plenty of gray hairs in this room that will tell you if you blink, all of a sudden everything has changed. Right? And, and, and now we've got empty nesters wishing they could go back to those days where their tables were full uh, and, and, they were, and there was dirty fingerprints on the wall. And we've got young people going, I wish I was in that life stage. And God's going, don't miss what's right in front of you right now. Don't miss what's right. Don't miss who is right in front of you right now. Because you know what happens is this actually translates into how we relate with his very presence. We oftentimes, can I be really practical? We oftentimes show up on a Sunday and we're not even present here because we're worrying about how our smoker's doing back at home because lunch is coming and the, the preacher better get done on time. Right, I'm busy about my, you know, if you're first service people, you're, you're thinking about your brunch plans. And you're second service people, you're thinking about your lunch plans. And God's going, I'm doing a thing right here, right now. Don't miss it. Right, we approach his presence so many times in a way that we, we, we miss the, the king of kings. Come on, church. The Lord of lords is in our midst. And so those that did recognize him uh, as the Messiah, as the king of kings, they laid down palm branches so that not even the donkey would touch the dirt. Let me talk to you a little bit about what palm branch, branches signified back in that time. It meant blessing, health, and prosperity. In fact, many women were named Tamar, which means palm. Simply means palm branch. Many women in that era were, were named Tamar or Tamar, as, as some people would say nowadays. And it meant blessing, prosperity, and health. But you know what's interesting to me is as we look at this story, is, and I want you to hear me closely on what I'm about to say is that when he was who they wanted him to be, which was a king who they thought was going to overthrow a government, they gave him palms. But when he was who they needed him to be, which was a savior of their soul, they gave him a crown of thorns. How do you approach God the savior? God, as long as you do it my way, you get my sign of prosperity, health, and blessing, and here you go. But the moment it doesn't look the way I want it to, God, you get a crown of thorns. You get my rejection. You get my stiff arm. You know, I was convicted in the book of Psalms 107. It's not up on the screen. I'm just going to read a couple of little excerpts from, from this for, uh, to you, and I'd love for you to go home and read it for yourself. This psalm where, where, where we see the response of someone who has been rescued. And I wonder if this is how you and I respond. It says, let the, the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Verse 5, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and guess what? He delivered them from their distress. Verse 13, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. Verse 19, then they cried out to the Lord with their, in their trouble, and again, he what? Delivered them from their distress. And then verse 21 says this, now let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds with songs of joy. But how many of us approach the throne room of God and we get what we need and then we walk away? And then we show up on a Sunday and if the lights are wrong, the temperature's wrong, the music's not loud or too loud or the drums are this or that or the song doesn't hit me, then I withhold songs from him. This doesn't happen here. It's just like a hypothetical, right? <laughs> Verse 28, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Verse 31, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love and his wondrous works to his children of man. Let him extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. What do you do after he has saved you? Do you go, well, it doesn't look the way that I wanted to, God? Or are we grateful that a savior has come? Let me say it to you this way. Don't look for temporary relief 
when he has an eternal solution. You see, the people here, they wanted a king to save them from the government. And when they found out he didn't come to overthrow a government, but to save their souls, they turned on him. If we don't understand this triumphant entrance properly, let me tell you this, church, we will not understand his second coming properly. Which leads me to my second point here today, my second question that I want to ask you. Are you getting something from this? Okay, that that was a pre-question to my second question. Because, you know, Lane gave you an appetizer point last week, which was really a point, okay? So, um, and that's this. Will we strip ourselves of ourselves to make way for him? Mark 11, 7 through 8. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. Cloaks in that time and in that culture, clothing was a sign of security. It was a sign of cultural status. So I ask you today, are you willing to literally take off your status, your security, your own accolades, your pride, whatever we clothe ourselves in, and let the king of glory in? You know, if you're anything like me, can can I just be honest with you for a second? Not that I haven't been honest up until this point, but can I get even more honest with you? If you're anything like me, You clothe yourself in maybe the expectations of people. And the front you've got to put up. Hear me, you do that long enough, you buy into that as your reality, even though it's not real. And so we show up in our Sunday best and, and, and you get Sunday Tony and you get this and, 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 we, and, and we all do this. I'm just the only brave one with the microphone that's willing to look at myself in the mirror and say that, right? Like from a, from a microphone. I'm not saying you're not willing to do that, but I'm hoping to challenge you today to look and go, what is it that you've clothed yourself in that isn't even real? And so we show up and we show up as a as a image of something that isn't even who we are and God says to us today will you unclothe yourself of this thing and prepare a way for me are we willing to strip ourselves literally strip unclothe ourselves of our pride uh, uh, of our status of our security of uh, and this ties back to my very first sermon in this series about preparing a way even when we talked about this idea of preparing a way with praise are you willing to unclothe yourself from even the the heaviness the spirit of heaviness and reclothe yourself with a garment of praise can can I get, I, I know I've been a little scholarly today. Can I get a little charismatic on you guys for a quick second? Is that okay? Like, I don't mean to scare anybody away, but can I just get a little intense for a second? Okay. Well, even if you don't want me to, I will. Um, I just, like, remember, remember old school church when, like, when the preacher would get up here and be like, I wish I could get a witness, right? Like, like this is one of those points where, like, I wish I could get a witness, of like uh, of some saints that have walked with God for a while and know that when the darkness comes, when the oppression comes, when, when this thing tries to come over you, something changes when I clothe myself with a garment of praise. Like, I, I wish I could get a witness of somebody that will go, no, no, it's not that my reality, just like I ignore it or that it just goes away, but something begins to change when I take off the spirit of heaviness and I clothe myself with a garment of praise, my mind shifts, my thoughts begin to shift, all of a sudden, this song that is in the, sh- in the light of his glory and grace, all the things of the world will go strangely to him, isn't just a cute little hymn we used to sing, but it's a reality. Right, And I, again, I just wish I could get a witness of people here that have understood what it is to clothe myself in a garment of praise and go, I'm going to shed myself of the heaviness and see what God will do even through my praise. 
What do you need to empty yourself of? I'm going to go back to being a little more scholarly, okay? Back to my notes. Do we empty ourselves of control? Let me talk to some shy people here today. Even though you're quiet, a lot of times you use that to mask the reality that you still want to be in control. As long as I don't expose myself, as long as I stay to myself and protect myself, then I can control how people perceive me or know me or how far they know me, how much they know of me. Or if you're like me, and maybe you're in a position of leadership or power at times, and you go, I I need to control the outcome of things, so now I start to move some pieces so that the outcome lines up to what I want. Or maybe you're outspoken like me and your need to control means you have to control a room. Right? You got to control the conversations in that room. What, what do we need to unclothe ourselves of? Fears? Doubts? Can I just tell you, God isn't, isn't scared of your fears or your doubts, by the way. Can I just tell you that? Like, and, and, and no, we're not a church that goes, you can't ask questions and you can't journey and you can't fear or doubt. Because last time I checked, I got fear, I got doubt, and every time I brought it to the Lord, he's never pushed me away. But I will tell you this, some of you that might be stuck in your fears and your doubts, there's just certain mysteries in the kingdom of God that are not meant to be explained away. This is why you're not God and he is. Now, of course, understand why we believe what we believe, but sometimes we even hide behind, I must understand this first before I experience it. Can we empty ourselves of our pride? Okay, let me, let me get even more vulnerable or real with you guys, okay? Even if you don't give me the permission, here it goes. I'm the guy with the microphone. Because of my own pain and hurt from maybe even relationships, I, like, I'm, I'd rather be selfish with my time. Can I be honest with you? I'd, ra- like, I'd rather be selfish with my time and selfish with my emotions. Like, I, I've had people, I, and I get it, I'm not the only one, I've had people burn me I've had people like pretend like they're good friends, but if I can't like do it in the way that they want it to, like they just drop me, like, right? Like, and so because of that, like, I just want to like be reclusive. Like this is, I'm just speaking like the honest to God truth. Like I've had people trash talk me. I've trusted them with things and they just go out and like tell people about it. Like, am I the only person that's alive and breathing and has a heartbeat in his chest? Right? Like, and so what do I, I I selfishly want to just recluse and protect myself. Do I, am I being called to empty myself of that selfishness? Do, do, we need to, do we need to unclothe ourselves? Do we need to strip ourselves of the need to always be right? The need to look good, to always come out on top? Do we need to empty ourselves of this control of the outcome of this situation needs to look this way? think we got to get off our high horse. Mm-hmm. I love you. And here's a beautiful thing. Here's, here, here's, I, I know some of this stuff is challenging, but here's, here's where the beauty is at. And again, I wish I could get a witness because like, I'll tell you what, man, I've seen it in my own life. And I know there's plenty of people even in this room that have lived this out. There's something beautiful when we empty ourselves of ourselves. Listen to this. He's not only good, but he is faithful to not leave us as is. No, I'm I'm talking about the God who is faithful to complete the work that he's begun in you. I'm talking about the God that says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard the things I prepared for you. That's the God I'm talking about. That, that as you empty yourself, as you strip yourself, as you lay down your status, your socioeconomic status, your, 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 your pride, your selfishness, we lay this down. And I'm not saying you, I'm saying we. As we lay this down, God is faithful to not just leave us as is. He's faithful to meet us and check, check this out. He, as we do that, it releases him to prepare a way to do what only he can do in and through our lives. I hope you're getting what I'm throwing down here today. So the last question I want to ask you is this, is 
what will we cry out? Did you know that in every heart there is a cry? And we have a choice to make as to what our cry will be. Matthew 21, 9 says, And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Sophia alluded to this definition of Hosanna. But the cry of the people here, Hosanna, literally means save. In fact, the original language here actually goes further and says that it's a command to bring about or to cause salvation. Other scholars would describe it as a begging, literally saying, please, God, I beseech you, save me now. But some of us don't cry that because we don't realize that we actually need rescuing. Is your heart's cry, I got this, God? Is your heart's cry, why me, God? Is your heart's cry, why now, God? Is your heart's cry, why them, God? Or is your heart's cry, you know what? Like, God, we, we, we cool, but like, I don't really need you. Like, I needed you then. I don't really need you now. Luke 19, 39 to 40 says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered them, I tell you, if these were silent, then the very stones would cry out. This is what Jesus is insulting them with. <laughs> you know how it's an insult to call somebody dumb as rocks? Right? Like that's, by the way, don't, I don't, I don't like advise you to ever call somebody like that or insult them that way. <sighs> Only Jesus kind of has the power to do that. <laughs> he basically goes, you don't see it? The rocks are wiser than you. Like, if they don't cry out, somebody's going to cry out that they need rescuing and saving. And my question to you is this, is what will your heart's cry be? And let me talk to some of you that have been walking with Jesus for a long time. Can I tell you that the fallacy, and I'm going to straight up say it this way, the lie that tells you that the longer you've been walking with him, the less you need of him must go. Because the last time I checked, the more I walk with Jesus, the longer I walk with him, the more I'm aware of my desperate need for him. Yes. And so if you're here today and you're, you're newer to faith, don't buy into the fallacy that eventually you'll need him less. Oh no, honey, you're going to just get more aware of how much more you need him. Yep. And guess what? It's beautiful. Yes. He delights like a good father delights when his children need him. Come on, dads, you know this. And you're a fallible father. Like, you, you make mistakes, right? Come on, dads. Can we recognize we make mistakes? Any other day? I got three of you guys that are backing me up. Perfect. That's all I need. All you guys need this sermon. But even us as, as, as sinful fathers, right? There's nothing better, man, than when my kid comes up to me and asks me to do something that only I can do. Right? Like, you feel like a... Like your chest gets bigger. Come on, come on, man. Help me out here. Especially those of you that are like smaller frame like me, you know, you need all the help you can get. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm only big in parts. I don't want to be big. You know what I mean? Like, and so, so like when mom says, oh, ask dad, he can do that. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> right? And that's sinful, um, arrogant, prideful Tony. Can you imagine the good, perfect father? And you're going, I need you. And he's like, yes. Yes. I don't know if I want to do the second service. <laughs> Can I get really personal with you guys for a second? All right, since you said yes, I got to do it. 
Crying out Hosanna doesn't always, means I, doesn't always mean that I'm delivered from my affliction in that moment. A lot of times it's the strength and the power to endure and to go through. We see Jesus shows up to the garden and he begins to pray and literally says, God, if, if, if you can, like, let this cup pass from me. I, I don't, I don't want to suffer this. And he literally is is crying tears of blood. By the way, that is not a, a metaphor. It is an actual medical condition that people can be so under duress and stress that the, the blood vessels in their eyes burst and they begin to cry tears of blood. So this is how much Wait, Jesus is feeling in that moment. And he's like, God, if I don't have to go through this, make it so. And then he says one of the riskiest things any of us could say. But nevertheless, your will, not mine. Can I tell you, if you think crying out for Hosanna means an immediate deliverance from your situation and all of a sudden everything's fine. Yes, sometimes that happens. But can I tell you, we miss the moments that it means we are strengthened and graced to go through and do endure. I know some of you guys have already heard a lot of my story and mine and Sophia's story. And maybe you're getting sick of it, but I'm sorry. It's the only story I got to tell. But we, we have, two of our, our, our two youngest kids have all been through either medical tra trauma or they're either, you know, special needs or, or some sort of medical need. And can I tell you, I've cried out Hosanna many times. And, and, I, and I, I think about, like, what will the future of my kids look like? Will, will they get married? Will they, will they have a spouse? Like, like, will my daughter ever not struggle with the brain damage she has? Will, will anyone, like, will she get, or do I need to prepare like a room where she's going to live with me for the rest of our lives? Like, like there's times where I'm literally working, you guys, and like my wife will call me and I'll answer with, what's wrong? Because like, I'm waiting for something to go wrong, right? She's like, no, every, everything's fine. I was just checking in, right? And there's just so many moments I've cried out, God, save, save her from this, save my son from, save me. And, and until now, it hasn't happened. But you know what has happened? Is this beautiful miracle of grace to endure. The strength that allows us to face another day and another moment. And you might be here today and you might be going, I'm, I'm, I'm in that and don't miss it. Paul himself writes about this idea where he has a thorn on his side and scholars and theologians have argued for centuries over what it would be. I've got my own take on what I think it would be. I'll share it with you personally if you want to, but it, 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 that's not even the point. The point is he cries out and goes, God, save me from this thorn in my side. And God goes, um, actually, let me give you something else. It's called sufficient grace. Because in, in your weakness, I'm going to be made strong. And so let me talk to you about a God that hears you and delivers you and absolutely rescues you and saves you. But don't miss it when his rescuing and saving is a supernatural ability to endure and go through. Man, I hope you're getting this. You, you've heard me make this joke all the time. Hobby Lobby loves their scriptures taken out of context. No offense to Hobby Lobby. Right? Like we love, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Like, and my joke is I can do all things through a scripture taken out of context. 
right? But this scripture right here that, that talks about I can do all things with Christ. This is Paul, the same guy with the thorn on his side, saying, whether I've been poor, imprisoned, whipped, almost killed, I've been rich, I've been all that, I've been the whole spectrum. And in that, I have found the secret to life is this contentment. And in that, I've realized that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on. Here's the good news, man. We can all cry out. And we should all cry out. Hosanna, come and save us. I want to make it very clear to all of you right here in this room and those watching online, and I'm going to land the plane here pretty soon, and don't worry, we're even going to end it with some comedic relief today, okay? And then we'll have a time of reflection, but, but I, I got to make this clear today. This message is not for a select group of people. I don't care who you are. By the way, it wasn't just the Backstreet Boys that said this. I don't care who you are, what you've done, as long as you love me, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't care who you are. Some of you are like, who's that? I just don't look it up. Uh, I don't care who you are, where you come from, what you've done. You too can cry out, Hosanna. And, and this is a God who will pour out his mercy. Come on, I need you to get this. I don't care what background you're from, what socioeconomic bracket you're in, what color your skin is, what your background is, what your family you're born into. I don't care if, if, you had a, if you had a present mom or a drug addicted mom or if your dad was there or if your dad had many. I don't care where you come from. You and I can both cry out to the same God and he will hear us. And he will pour out his mercy. He'll pour out his grace. He'll pour out everything you need, whether it's to endure or he'll do the miraculous. Yep. Right. Thank you, Lord. But will you cry out? Will you cry out, have mercy on me, O Lord? Will you, will you, will you cry out knowing that he will show up time and time and time and time again. Here's why I think some of us, maybe that I've even been walking with Jesus for a while, quit crying out. Because we're ashamed of crying out for the same thing. The worst thing you can do is quit crying out. And you're going, well, Tony, you don't get it. Like, I keep crying out for the same thing, and it's like the same thing over and over. Keep crying out. But Tony, you don't get it. It's like, and, like, and the scripture says that like, like, like a dog goes back to its vomit and like, keep crying out. Yep. But Tony, you don't get it. I've, I've been hung up on this thing and it's been holding me back for years. Keep crying out. But Tony, you don't get it. I just can't seem to shake. Keep crying out. As the band comes up, let me take a really serious thing and illustrate it in a very hopefully comedic way. I got a video for you guys. And uh, before I, I, I give you this video, show you this video, I should say, um, I know that Lane, if you were here last week, he kind of offended some of you by calling you dumb dogs. <laughs> Do you remember that? Okay. Th thankfully, my email was set to away on vacation mode, so I didn't get any hate email over that. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just joking, by the way. I, I, all of you guys took it well. Um, so, so let me offend you in a biblical way. We're not just dumb dogs. We're a bunch of dumb sheep. <laughs> and some of us have just got to accept this thing, okay? That like, like sheep are difficult to deal with. And if you don't believe me, just watch this video. It's going to keep playing. And if you can't see very well, it, it's, it's a shepherd pulling a sheep out of a ditch. And she runs right back where? And he throws his hands up in the air. Like, I mean, am I right, though? Like, or am I right? You know, uh, uh, several years ago, Sophia and I lived in Vancouver, Washington. We had, we had some property, and we were actually, we were actual sheep Farmers, we, we raised sheep. I was not just a shepherd in church. I was an actual shepherd. And let me just give you a huge revelation on this. Sheep are stupid, bro. 
Like so dumb, dense, I'm telling you. And like, we, we like romanticize like, oh, he is the good shepherd and we are the sheep of his flock. Do you know how insulting that is? Like I, I would show up every morning, it's the same thing. I'm here to feed you, oh, they're gonna run away. Right, like every time, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna jump this fence and run out to the middle of traffic. No, stay here, this is what's safe. I'm bringing you water, oh, you know, they're skittish. They're, I'm gonna shear you, no, right? Like, bah! But, but that's comically an image of what God is always willing to do. Constantly rescue. Now, I'm not saying you get a free pass to just keep going back. Let me tell you, God's going to do what only he can do to allow you to break whatever needs to be broken and heal whatever needs to be healed. But I'll tell you what. Don't let even your mistake of constantly going back to stop you from crying out. It's not a good sermon until I quote Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, so here it is, just so that I can be a little more scholarly. Spurgeon, talking about the book of Psalms, chapter 9, which is a cry for mercy, which is a cry for salvation, which is a cry for rescuing. He says this, have mercy on me, O Lord. By the way, he's quoting the psalm. And then he, he says this, Memories of the past and confidences concerning the future almost sounds like what I described happens in our minds at times. Conducted the man of God to the mercy seat to plead for the needs of the present. The first prayer is one, hear this, suitable for all persons and occasions. It breathes a humble spirit. It indicates self-knowledge, appeals to the proper attributes and to the fitting person. He again quotes, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Just as Luther used to call some texts little Bibles, so we may call this sentence a little prayer book. For it has in it the soul and marrow of prayer. The latter looks short, but it reaches from earth to heaven. He quotes, consider my trouble from those who hate me, you who lift me up from the gates of death. What a noble title is given to the Most High. What a glorious lift in sickness, in sin, in despair, in temptation. We have been brought very low. The gloomy portal has seemed as if it were to open to imprison us. Say with me, but. But underneath. Where the, but underneath us were the everlasting arms. And therefore, we have been uplifted even to the gates of heaven. There's power in the one that you cry out to. So this is what I want to do today. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. And I've asked the band to close us out with this song, Hosanna. With the hopes that this would be your heart's cry, no matter where you're at today. Whether today's the first time you say, God, I need saving. Beautiful thing is he's going to meet you right there and he's going to save you. If it's your hundredth millionth time of asking even for the same thing, I'm telling you, he isn't sick of rescuing you. And so would we as a congregation today be the kind of people that are willing, hear me on this church, I know we're almost over, I'm landing the plane right now, but listen to me on this, to recognize that the king is in the room right here willing to meet you right now. Recognize that he's knocking and waiting for you to answer and open up the doors of your heart. Would we strip ourselves of ourselves and make way and make room for him? And will we cry out Hosanna with the confidence that he will respond? So we're going to sing this song. And at any time throughout the song, if you need prayer for anything in particular, you may leave your seats and head over to the prayer corner. We've got an entire team that's willing to pray with you there. If you're online and you need prayer, you need anything, let us know in the chat right now. We've got somebody willing to chat with you in this very moment. For the rest of us, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing this song of a, as a cry of salvation. Father, I thank you because we can cry out to you. I thank you, Lord, because you did come to seek and save the lost. But more importantly, God, you came so that our lives would not be the same. 
And so God, I pray that as we cry out to you, you would not only respond, but you would meet us, you would intervene on our behalf today. Pray that we would be able to be the people that recognize you are the king that is here. You're in front of us, Lord. Help us to not limit what you can do and how you can do it. And Lord Jesus, we lay ourselves down. We empty ourselves of ourselves so that we can be filled with all that you are. We lay down our pride. We cast our fears. We, we cast our, 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 our insecurity, our selfishness, the things, God, that don't come from you. And we unclothe ourselves of it. And God, we want you to clothe us with all that you are. So as we cry Hosanna to you, Lord, let our hearts cry be heard and responded by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing, church. Thank you once again for joining us today. We hope today's message encouraged you, challenged you, and caused your faith to grow. If you enjoyed today's message, we highly encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. That way you don't miss out on any future messages. To get to know us, to get connected with us, and to know how you can best partner with us, head to our website, LegacyChurchID.com, or come see us in person at our campus in Meridian, Idaho. We look forward to connecting with you. May God bless you and have a great rest of your day.